God will come to us at different times in our life with a call, with a word, and he knows at the time you're not going to respond. And the memory of his visit plays a part in helping us decide to this time respond. Welcome to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire, author and founding senior pastor of the exciting Turning Point Church in Fort Worth, Texas. Pastor Jeff is known for his heartfelt and practical proclamation of the scriptures. We are so glad you joined us today. So stay tuned as Pastor Jeff teaches, encourages, and challenges you from the Word of God. One of the greatest poems ever written is the inspired book of the Song of Solomon. Hi, everybody. Welcome to Life Talk. I'm Jeff Wickwire, and thank you for joining us. Today, we're continuing the series, The One That Got Away, as we journey together through the amazing Song of Songs penned by Solomon. The Song of Solomon is a love song. It's best interpreted as a picture of Jesus and his church and the endless attempts of the tempter and the world to lure the church away from her attachment to the shepherd, Jesus Christ. Today we're going to see how love has boundaries, and those boundaries will be honored if true love is involved. So let's go right to the message, an hour of tenderness, an hour of truth. One sage wisely said this, quote, Love does not trespass where law forbids. Boy, does that quote need to be given to our generation. Love does not trespass where law forbids. It is lust, not love, if it insists on its own way to the exclusion of God's laws. Now, this section of the Song of Solomon is closing out with this. Because the Holy Spirit wants us to understand you can be swooning in love with someone. That doesn't mean there shouldn't be boundaries. So this section of the Song of Solomon concludes with a crucial lesson. Look at the power of the love of these two, the shepherd and the Shulamite. (laughs) You're like a lily. Oh, well, you're like an apple tree. And I'm swooning with love and good grief. You couldn't get any more in love than these two. But thinking of the power of that love... The Holy Spirit now inserts into the story the principle that will stop love from being destroyed. Now listen carefully to me, church. Love is very powerful, but it's also a very delicate flower. And let me tell you what can ruin it. Immorality. Our world says, you want to get to know somebody, hit the hay. You want to get to know somebody, go to bed with them. You don't get to know them that way. God says, you want to get to know somebody, get to know their soul. Get to know their heart. Talk a lot. Don't be alone too much. You'll get in trouble. Set boundaries. I know this isn't a jump up and shout message, but boy, is it true. See, love knows how to wait. And love knows how to keep itself pure. That's what the Shulamite is showing us here. First, We have set before us the masculinity of the worldly women of the court. Now, I'm going to tell you what I mean by that. This blew me away. But it's true. The Shulamite says, I charge you, O you daughters of Jerusalem. Who's she talking to? The court women. 
She's talking to these court women who are sold out on Solomon, sold out on his way of life, sold out on his worldview. They are totally committed to Solomon, not to the shepherd. So she turns to them at the end of this section and she says, I charge you, O you daughters of Jerusalem, you court women. Now, look at the word charge. Look at the pronoun you. And look at daughters, the noun. Scholars tell us that the word you, I charge you, and the accompanying verbs are masculine. With Hebrew and Greek, there are masculine, feminine, and neuter genders. Masculine gender, feminine gender, neuter. And that's how Hebrew and Greek work. Now, the you, I charge you. She's talking to the court women, so I charge you. The you and the accompanying verbs are in the masculine tense. Yet the subject, daughters, is feminine. This is not a common grammatical construction because usually if you're addressing a woman, you're going to use verbs and pronouns that are also feminine. But here, it's not. And when we do find something uncommon like this, it signals to us that true femininity has been lost. She is saying to them, you're, you are girls, but you're coarse, you're rough, you're not feminine. The painted beauties of Solomon's court were coarse and vulgar. Ever heard any women like that? Their conversation was not edifying. It was crude, sexual, sensual, seductive, and it knew nothing of restraint, modesty, or decency. Now let me tell you, that's what's been lost in our day. Not just with women, but with men. We're watching a perversion of gender in our culture where now California students are going to be able to decide whether or not, though they were born a boy, they choose rather to believe that they should have been a girl or a girl decides she should have been a boy, and they can decide how they're going to be addressed, what bathrooms they're going to use, who they're going to change with in the locker room. Men in our culture are being feminized, and women are being masculinized. And it's sickening. Let me just say it. I like manly men. I like manly men. Give me John Wayne, Clint Eastwood, manly men. Not these metrosexual, is it a boy or is it a girl? God makes you a man, you're a man. He makes you a woman, you're a woman, feminine, soft, decent, modest. This Shulamite is taking a shot at them. She's saying, all you daughters of Jerusalem, hey, you masculinized women. In contrast, we have the feminine modesty of the shy Shulamite from the country. She's saying to these women, your lifestyle, your worldliness has taken away from you one of the key components of what is beautiful about femininity. 
You're rough girls, tough girls, vulgar girls. Not me. I'm the Shulamite from the country. She says, she says, I charge you, O daughters of Jerusalem, by the gazelles or by the does of the field, don't stir up. Read this last part with me, church. Don't stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. What is she saying? The telling phrase is stir not up. The thought is excite not. The Hebrew word means to incite. What is she saying? She's saying quite bluntly that her passions are not to be excited, awakened, or stirred up unless it's in the right context. That's what she's saying. Isn't that a mind blower? Who would have gotten that out of that verse? But it's there. Saying, Don't you try to get me stirred up. Here's what they're really trying. Coming back to the story behind the song, it would seem that the shepherd has now retreated. The Shulamite is alone again in Solomon's pavilion. And the women of the court are intent on trying to arouse her passions. Don't stir me up. So that Solomon would find an easy, seductive mark. And she's saying, girls, it's not going to work. Don't you stir up my God-given passions until it's in the right context. And I have made up my mind that the right context is when I am finally, ultimately married to my shepherd. And until then, don't you stir me up. I'm not going to let you excite my God-given passions in an inordinate way. The Shulamite has clearly drawn love's boundaries in her life. And I'm going to tell you, our culture knows nothing of this anymore. Nothing of this. And I'm going to say with heartbreak, neither does much of the church. The world has so infiltrated the church that we have lost biblical teaching on purity and holiness and sanctification and and true love. Our whole concept of these things has been twisted, warped, skewed. But the Shulamite is sitting here saying, hey, girls, You may have become all messed up being one of Solomon's girls. You're coarse, you're vulgar, you're this, you're that, but you're not going to corrupt me. I may be alone, but I'm not alone. My shepherd may be in the distance, but he's still with me. I'm thinking about him. I'm loving him. He's my apple tree. So don't try to entice me towards your prince. Wow. She will have nothing to do with anything that would stimulate passion or desire out of the proper context. And so should it be with the church's bride today. Listen, church, we live in a world that is focused like a laser beam on arousing passion, lust, desire, that it might be expressed out of God's proper context. We live in a pornographic, totally triple X-rated pornographic culture. And you've got to shut the door. You've got to be like that Shulamite say, don't you stir me up. I know what you're up to. And I know the prince you're trying to lead me to. And I want nothing to do with him or you or your ways. I think it'd be good for us to say tonight, I want to be like the Shulamite. Because that Shulamite, by the Holy Ghost, is a picture of the church. May we develop the resolve of the Shulamite and say with her, let's read it together, do not stir up nor awaken love until it pleases. Now, having passed through the hour of tenderness, now we come to the hour of truth. The setting of the story so far is intriguing The lovely Shulamite, a picture of Christ's church, has been abducted by Solomon, a picture of the tempter. The court women, a picture of the world. 
have been urging her to forsake the shepherd, a picture of Christ, and be joined to Solomon. And this is the battle we experience every day. Do we not? Now, I'm not talking to real people here today. Does the world not come knocking on the door of your heart every day? And the court women and Solomon, the tempter, the devil, they come knocking every day. And you've got to have the resolve of the Shulamite every day. Don't stir me up until it's in the right context. So it hadn't worked. Her heart has remained steadfast. And in this section of the song, the Shulamite talks about her beloved, the shepherd. She describes the first day he first called her. Now think back as we read this to the first day you heard about Jesus and he talked to your heart. She's looking back at how he had originally come to her. The memory is indelibly stamped on her mind, which I believe the same thing will be with any true child of God. You can point back to the day God broke through. Now she says, look at this, verse 8, the voice of my beloved. Behold, he comes leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. I was listening to a preacher quote that verse when the fire to preach first came in my heart. He was sitting on a stool and he quoted that verse and the fire to preach dropped into my heart when I heard that verse, just for the record. Notice that the first thing she remembers about him is his voice, the voice of my beloved. And don't we too remember the voice of our own great shepherd when he first called us to himself? Don't you love the voice of the Lord? Amen. Uh, It may have been a quiet voice that came to you, like the still, small voice that Elijah heard, knock, 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 tap, tap, tap. I died for your sins very quietly, very gently. You said, Lord, come in. But some of us were stubborn and ornery. So it might have been a voice of warning like thunder. You're going to hell. I know some people who were startled by the voice of the Lord. But nevertheless, wasn't his voice a voice unlike any other voice? voice. Adam heard that unparalleled voice in the cool of the day, walking in the garden. Mary Magdalene heard that voice of authority when that voice called seven demons out of her, come out. And she was delivered. And Lazarus, (laughs) what a voice he must have heard. Jesus' matchless voice penetrating the frozen horror of that tomb, shattered its silence and summoned him to come out. And what a voice we're going to hear one day. I want you to know Jesus said we're going to hear a voice one day. Not just any voice, but his voice. Jesus said, don't marvel at this, for the hour is coming in which all who are in the graves, read it with me, will hear his voice and come forth. Now catch what he just said. Dead people laying in the grave, ashes, skeletons are going to hear his voice. Let God be true and every man a liar. The voice of the resurrector. And they're going to come forth. Jesus said they're going to come forth out of the grave. Those who have done good to the resurrection of life. Those who have done evil to the resurrection of condemnation. Those words right there ought to make you afraid if you're not sure that you know Jesus. Because every single person that's ever lived is going to be resurrected. Some to life and some to eternal damnation. But every person that ever lived and died is going to one day hear his matchless voice. The Shulamite remembered first the shepherd's voice. Then she remembered his vigor. Verse 8. Leaping upon the mountains, skipping upon the hills. Now, interestingly, the word he here 
is emphatic. It means, it could be rendered, this very one, this very one is who I'm talking about, the only one. She saw him leaping over mountains, skipping over hills. In other words, the shepherd was not stopped by impossible obstacles. They all melted before him when he was trying to get to you. He jumped over the mountains that were there. He walked through the valleys that were there. He penetrated the walls that were there. And he got to you. He found you in your pit of darkness, in your pit of despair, in your lostness. He found you. And no obstacle stopped him. That's what she's seen. And did not Jesus break through barriers and overcome huge obstacles to reach us in our darkness? Do you remember where you were? And do you remember how long you fought him and ran from him? Nothing, here's what she's saying, nothing could hold back the shepherd when he first came to her. Nothing could stop him. He was filled with exuberance and enthusiasm. He swept aside all hindrances with a joyous bound. He got to her, and he'll get to you. And I'm sensing by radio, somebody's listening right now, and I want you to know that God is going to break through on you. God has jumped over the mountains to get to you. He has skipped over the hills to get to you. He is going to find you where you are. He has found you where you are, and he's knocking on the door of your heart. Come to him. He even overcame the obstacle of the cross in order to reach us. As the old song says, love found a way to redeem my soul. Love found a way that could make me whole. Love sent my Lord to the cross of shame, and love found a way. Oh, praise his holy name. Love found a way. Now, after describing him, the Shulamite tells us how she discerns him. Look what she says in verse 9. My beloved is like a gazelle or a young stag. Behold, he stands behind our wall. He's looking through the windows. He's gazing through the lattice. Catch this description. There's a wall and he's standing behind it. There's a window and he's looking through it. There's a lattice and he's gazing through it. What does all this mean? Here's what it means. True love never forces itself. It reveals itself, but it does not trespass. It woos, but it never coerces. So the shepherd, with true sensitivity, as timid as a young deer, is the way she describes him, peers around the wall and glances in at the window. Notice he does not come marching in like Solomon and grab her and carry her off and coerce her. He doesn't come where he's not invited. The walls and the windows suggest man-made obstacles. Likewise, it is man-made barriers that are erected between the soul and the Savior. Do you remember how many things you had put up against the Lord when he was trying to get into your life? When somebody that you knew walked with Jesus started walking your way, you ran the other way. You didn't want to hear the word. You didn't want to go to a gospel-preaching church. You had walls. You had barriers erected against the Lord, strongholds that stood up against the will of God for your life. And what did the Lord do? He came up to them and he peered around and he let you see him and he let you know that he loves you. 
Behold, all I do is I stand at the door and I knock. I'm not like the devil that kicks the door in. I stand at the door and I knock. I'm looking through the window. I'm peering around the lattice. I want you to know that I'm there and that I love you, but I'm not going to force the issue. And if any man hears my voice and opens the door, I'll come into him and sup with him and he with me. But you're going to have to open the door. The Lord Jesus will never force himself upon us. He's very careful not to override our will, so much so that he simply shows himself and then he leaves the next move to us. What we're going to see is the Shulamite hesitates. When she sees him looking at the window and peering around the lattice, she hesitates. She wakes up and sees him and hesitates. And later she deeply, profoundly regrets it. The shepherd says something to her before he leaves. Because when she doesn't respond to his knock, to his presence, to his beckoning, he leaves. He left her with a message for her soul. Even though she had not come running out to him, he wanted to leave some words for her to hide in her heart. And the shepherd's call was threefold. It appealed to her will, her mind, and her heart. His call beautifully summarizes for us the call of the Lord Jesus to our own lives. I've seen this about God. God will from time to time in our life come to us. He comes looking in through the window he comes peering around the side. Here we are. We're living our life. Now, this, she had been asleep and she woke up. I think that in itself is illustrative of somebody who's asleep in their sin and is awakened with a conviction and sees Jesus there and decides whether or not to pursue his invitation. But God will come to us at different times in our life with a call, with a word of direction, of guidance, of counsel. He will come to us looking at the window and say, here's what I want. And he knows at the time you're not going to respond. He knows that this is an approach you're going to remember later. He knows at that moment you are not into it. You're not going to do it. But he knocks anyway so that you can have a memory one day of looking back and saying, I remember when the Lord knocked, when he was looking in at the window, when he was peering around the lattice, when he was beckoning me, and I did not respond. And the memory of his former visit plays a part in helping us decide to this time respond. Well, the lessons in today's message are timeless. True love will honor the object of its affection, and true love always possesses boundaries. Isn't it powerful the way this powerful Song of Songs illustrates the difference between love and lust? Well, don't touch that dial yet because our announcer has some important information to share with you, our Life Talk listeners. And be sure to join me next time as we continue our journey through the powerful little book called the Song of Songs. Until then, may God bless you richly is my prayer. Hi, this is Jeff Wickwire, the host of Life Talk Radio, and I've got some exciting news for you. It's been in my heart for quite some time to see our Turning Point worship team produce their own Christ-exalting music. And you know what? It's finally happened. The King of all creation.
TPC Worship's debut album, Mercy Triumphs, is available right now on iTunes and Amazon, or you can visit tpcfamily.org forward slash worship to get your copy today. That's tpcfamily.org forward slash worship and get your copy, and I know it's going to be a blessing to you. An hour of temptation and an hour of tenderness continued is the third message of Pastor Jeff's series, The One That Got Away. You can own a copy of this 10-CD set for just $50 plus shipping. Log on to lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. Get your copy of today's message for just $5 or purchase the entire series, The One That Got Away, for only $50 plus shipping by logging on to lifetalkradio.us or calling us toll-free at 877-884-3111 for more information. You've been listening to Life Talk with Dr. Jeff Wickwire. To find out more about Dr. Wickwire's ministry and Turning Point Church, visit us at lifetalkradio.us or call us toll-free at 877-884-3111. That's 877-884-3111. And as a reminder, Life Talk is a listener-supported ministry. We exist to bring God's Word to thousands of people in your area on this great station. So your prayers and financial support go a long way in helping us with this endeavor. Please prayerfully consider helping us. Thanks again for listening today, and we look forward to meeting with you once again on our next Life Talk broadcast. Oh, 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 o